podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast, covering all things Manchester United. Match previews, reports, reviews, youth roundups, loan roundups, and your questions. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast, Series 2, Episode 14. Now, once again, we discuss a profound inability to score. Manchester United drawing 1-1 at home to West Ham, making our worst league start for 26 years, four consecutive home league draws. All is not bad, though, as we discuss. Um, and as usual, there's also an extensive youth and loan roundup as the under-18 score four again. Jack, West Ham on Sunday, West Ham again on Wednesday. Old Trafford is sort of... Time from a fortress a couple of years ago to, to a curse at the moment. We, we just cannot score that second goal at home when, when not in European competition. It's just the same old, same old every week at the moment. We keep putting in pretty good performances, probably the best we've been playing since the start of the season, and yet the results just do not come. Uh, we've dropped so many points at home where we should have been taking all three. I can think of at least, at least three or four games where we should have been getting all three points 100%. And we've come away with one or zero. And it's so frustrating because every single week it's just the same problems. We play well through midfield. We play well in creating chances and we just can't put them away. No matter whether it's Ibra, Rashford, Lingard, Rooney, Mata, Pogba, whoever it is, no one seems capable of just scoring that second goal for us at home. And it come back to bite us yet again on Sunday. 91 shots in the last four games. Three goals, three 1-1 one, one draws and one nil nil. Um, and Sky have just done a thing with, um, since October 1st, United have had 91 shots at home, which is the best of any team in the league. I had three goals at home, which is the 19th best of anyone in the league. And a conversion rate of 3.3%, which is the worst of any team in the league. And that, <laughs> that has had people so frustrated. And rightly so. Um, and you see Herrera and Lingard saying, I'm not quite sure what we're doing wrong. And most people don't really know. And it's, it's really difficult because there's there's quite a few positive signs and, and the style of play is much better. It's exciting. Paul Pogba, of course, we'll move on to him in a second because there's no, no United podcast can get away without mentioning Pogba. Um, but there's so many positive signs, but the results just aren't there. And I'm, I'm not hugely worried yet. Um, if I'm really being honest, it doesn't look like we'll make top four, but I'm still not hugely worried. Uh, there's so many positives, but just it, it's sort of an an unexplained weakness of our of of this team at the moment, and it's really strange. And there's no there's no obvious explanation for why we can score four against Feyenoord and Fenerbahce. Okay, weaker teams, but that much weaker than Stoke or Burnley. I I don't know about that, and that that's why it's so hard to explain at the moment. It is. It's actually very difficult right now to really be angry at the team or even to a large extent with Mourinho because we genuinely are playing some of the best football that we've played, I think, in the last two or three years. It's exciting going forward. We're creating a lot of chances. We're playing the ball quickly through midfield, which is a problem we've had for, for years now. And we finally seem to be getting that sorted. We have good penetration going forward. We seem to have a dynamic forward line 
okay, maybe Ibra doesn't fit into that, but he still he still played pretty well against West Ham until we get to trying to finish off chances, and we just seem unable to do it. Though I read this, the the same article in Sky Sports, and it was ridiculous to to see those stats. But you know, the the awful thing was it wasn't surprising at all. I completely expected everything that was in the article. It was just awful to see it actually quantified in that way. But it you can easily see it when, when you watch every single one of our games. We are playing so well when it comes to creating chances. We've I, I we've got to be up there with with the likes of Chelsea, City, Liverpool teams lauded for their attacking play this season, especially Man City and Liverpool. And we're creating just as many chances as they are. We just aren't putting them away. And you wonder, with better finishing, where, where we could be right now in the league. I, I honestly think we, we would be right up near the top of the league if we actually could finish properly this season. I can think off the top of my head at least 12 points that we've dropped. Or, or maybe maybe 10. Maybe 10 points that we've dropped through not, through not finishing properly. And it's just so, so frustrating because the good work that the whole team puts in it's just absolutely wasted, and it 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 doesn't even just land on one player. Now we we spent a lot of time criticizing Ibra at this, um, earlier on in the season for his poor finishing, but he's no by no means the only culprit. Marcus Rashford hasn't scored in two months. Should have scored yesterday as well when he was one on one with Randall. Jesse Lingard should have should have scored yesterday when he Lingard tip uh, sorry when Randall tipped his shot around the post. There were so so many chance chances where we could and should be doing so much better. And as you said, I just don't understand the difference between playing teams like Final and Fenerbahce and then playing teams like Burnley and Stoke and West Ham. There, there is not a huge amount of difference in the quality of those teams. And honestly, our performances seem, seem to be just as good against those teams. We just can't seem to finish in the Premier League and I have no idea why. Yeah, I was having a conversation on Twitter about this yesterday suggesting that, that Fenerbahce and Final are better than teams like Stoke. And I, I still think this, no matter what um, this man who replied to me said, and he, he argued his point quite well that Feyenoord are a poor side and he watches Feyenoord quite a lot because his friends support Feyenoord and they are really poor. But I I can't see them being worse than some of the, the lower Premier League side. And yes, there's definitely an argument to say that the quality of our chances in European competition against teams like Zoria Luhansk, who, uh, just a reminder that we've only beat 1-0, Fenerbahce, Feyenoord, the quality of our chances in those games may be a, a greater than in the Premier League games. But even then, there are still a couple of, of what people call golden chances. Chances which you're expected to score. And if you don't, uh, it, it's seen as poor. Not chances where you think, okay, that was hard. Sometimes you'll score that, sometimes you don't. Chances you're expected to score. And we've had, I think we probably have two or three of those in the league and probably five or six of those in Europe and our conversion rate of those quality chances not just shooting from long range because we see Pogba do that quite a lot sometimes it pulls off like um, Swansea and Fenerbahce but our conversion rate of those quality chances is so poor and it's it's really difficult to say why because Zlatan does finish some of them and isn't the only only the only culprit of, of that fault um Talking about points dropped and no, very very few points gained. Uh, looking at our next six league games, um, how many points do you think we'll get? We've got Everton away, Spurs at home, Palace away, West Brom away, Sunderland home and Middlesbrough home. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not the easiest stretch in the world, especially those first few games. Everton away, Everton maybe not playing so well right now, but going to Goodison Park is never easy. 
very tough to be confident about playing Spurs at home. Just couple our poor form with our poor home form, especially Spurs. Okay, Spurs might, might be playing brilliantly right now, but they're they're definitely playing better than we are, uh, at least in terms of converting chances. And going to Selhurst Park never easy either. Um, it's def- def- <coughs> excuse me, definitely not an easy streak. An easy streak that we have coming up. I'd expect us to to beat Crystal Palace, to beat West Brom, and to beat Sunderland and Middlesbrough. So that would give us twelve. But I honestly can't see us getting more than two points in the other two fixtures against Everton and Tottenham. I hate to be so pessimistic, but with the way we we the way we keep missing all our chances at the moment, we generally. Goodison Park historically has not been the best place for us to go to and Tottenham we were very very lucky to beat them at Old Trafford last season and I can't see us playing too well against them so we have a very hectic schedule coming up as well because was it for the next three or three weeks I think we have a midweek game every week we have West Ham this week we have Zoya the week after then we have Crystal Palace as a midweek game uh, as well so we have a very, and then that obviously leads into the uh, hectic Christmas schedule as well. So we have a lot of games coming up in a very short space of time. We're going to have to rotate the team well. And it's tough to be confident going into this uh, this stretch of the season. Yeah, it's difficult because Mourinho has been, in, in a strange way, despite sort of underplaying the significance of the Europa League, Mourinho has been playing a stronger side in the Europa League. So against Feyenoord, yeah, we had to win the game. But and, and people were pleased when the lineup originally came out, but we were playing people like Carrick, our strongest team available to, to a large extent. And then we play West Ham, and it's a much weaker side. And now you have to wonder whether the, the priority is going to lie with the, with the league. And when we play West Ham in the League Cup, we're going to see a much weaker side, perhaps even a fully rotated side. Maximum of 18 points in the next six games. I think we should be getting 16. I think we will be getting 10 or 11. Because West Brom away, I think we will probably draw that. Everton, I think we'll probably draw that. And Spurs, I think we'll be beaten at home by Spurs. Palace, Sunderland, Middlesbrough, we should be beating. Um, particularly two of those games at home. But it's just, in partly in the Premier League, you see it's often harder than Europe because, so, so for Leicester, Europe is, is quite easy in, in some ways at the moment because teams try to attack them. And that means Leicester can just sit back, counter that. It's sort of the opposite for us. In Europe, teams also just don't sit back against us. Whereas in the league, teams just sit back against us, defend, knowing that they can get a draw. And this isn't with the big teams, and perhaps we'll do better against the big teams. But against the small teams, that's certainly their game plan at the moment. And maybe that's why it's easier um, in Europe than in the league. So uh, a maximum of 18 points, I think we'll get 10 or 11 in six games. And that's and, and in the meantime, we'll see City, Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal. Um, they'll probably be, be getting 16 or 17 in the next six games. Maybe not all of them, but some of them. And, and that gap to the top four is, is growing every game. On, on to Paul Popper, actually, because he is a positive out of the last few games. Um, he, I, I thought, apart from Darren Randolph, as, as every keeper seems to do at Old Trafford at the moment, uh, Popper was was our man of the match, certainly, and perhaps the game's man of the match. Um, his cross for Zlatan Ibrahimovic aside, which was, as as some people have said, uh, world-class. Aside from that, brilliant performance. Aerially fantastic, winning most of, of, of the battles he went into in the air. Regained possession quite a lot, started attacks constantly. Set the tempo for a game, which isn't something we see a lot with Paul Popper, particularly recently. 
he managed to sort of dictate the tempo of the game. And I think he and Ander Herrera, who also did very well, I think Pogba is gradually improving every game. And it's a really positive sign instead of just a sudden improvement. It shows that he's settling at United rather than just suddenly becoming a, a better player. Definitely. I've been really, really impressed with Pogba's performances recently. He's, I mean, we said this last week too, but he doesn't really get the praise that he deserves, I guess, because of the price tag. I understand why that is, but he really has played well in the last few weeks. His performances have been great. He's been dictating play from midfield. He's really seemed to be driving some things from midfield now, like in a way that he wasn't doing at the start of the season. We've seen a lot more of his trademark uh, surging runs forward. His distribution has become a lot better, and he's playing so many more penetrative passes as well. At the start of the season, there was a lot of uh, backwards and sideways passes. And perhaps that was more that was more to do with the way that we were playing rather than rather than a, re- a reflection on Pogba himself. But he seems to just have a knack now of just finding some kind of space in behind. The pass to Ibrahimovic for the goal was absolutely sublime. And there were a few others as well where his vision is just incredible. You go back to the uh, the Swansea game, the pass over to Rooney before his exquisite volley was was a, a great pass there as well, a very similar one to the one that got Ibrahimovic in against West Ham on Sunday. And he really has stepped up in the last, I would, I would say, month or so. Hasn't really got the credit that he deserves. I'm not sure he ever will because of that price tag. But he is turning into, for me, turning into a very, very good signing. Just what we've been missing in our midfield. We said earlier about how our midfield is now playing the ball far quicker than they have done in recent years. And a big part of that, I think, is down to Paul Pogba. Because he has the ability to just get the ball, get his head up and play quick, penetrative passes forward. Which is something that we don't really have in the team in from anyone other than Michael Carrick, who obviously at the moment physically can't play every game. So him and Herrera have definitely formed a good partnership in midfield. I think they complement each other nicely. And I'm excited to see what Pogba can produce going forward. He definitely is a bright spark at the moment. Also, just a quick note on Wayne Rooney as well. I thought he played very well in midweek against Feyenoord. He seemed quite lively when he came on. Definitely not, you know, the the heights that we've seen from him in, in part in the past. But we, we've been very down about Wayne Rooney on this season, and rightly so. But he really has played played a lot better in the last few weeks. Yeah, I thought Rooney had a, a really, really good performance overall, not just his, his very well finished goal and good assist for um, Juan Mata in that in that final victory. Definitely improved in the last few weeks, um, as Pogba has done, and uh, we haven't we haven't actually spoken since the final game. Henrik Mkhitaryan, brilliant performance, <laughs> absolutely brilliant. The the close footwork and pace in combination is something we haven't really seen that for, for quite a while at United certainly um, and, and a massive positive and he certainly had a point to prove and he knew that and he definitely proved the point and I said it straight after the game I thought Mourinho is not going to start him on Sunday and it did happen and a lot of people are angry I wasn't that angry but the the only thing I think that we've sort of learned from the, the West Ham draw is that a United team or this United team doesn't really function properly without one of Carrick, Mkhitaryan and Blind because I don't know it, it, it appears when we don't have one of those three players and there are others who can fill their roles quite well but I think when we don't have one of those three players um, not, not necessarily the most important players in our team I think Juan Mate is one of the most important players in my team, as, as Pogba is. But we don't have one of Carrick, Mkhitaryan and Daily Blind. I think we have no penetration in that side. 
Because uh, obviously you get the passes from Mata and Herrera and Pogba, which are brilliant. But there's no no ability to advance possession, move the game forward, if we don't have one of those three players. And I think that's something that would be good if Mourinho could, could focus on that um, and, and having one of those three. Because while they might not be our, our key player, our most essential player, without them we really struggle to produce quality chances that we spoke about earlier, not just good chances. Yeah, I'd agree. Especially Daley Blind for me. I think his his importance really has not been mentioned enough since he signed for Man United. He was he's been a, an excellent, excellent signing. We were very uh worried about where he might fit into the team this season, about whether he would get into the team ahead of Smalling and Bailly. Uh but he's held down that position all to himself. And he's earned that right because Daley Blind really has turned out to be a terrific player for Manchester United. He's so important to our team now. He gives us so much more penetration going forward. The way he brings the ball out from the back is just sublime at times. And he's become such a vital cog in our team. As you said, we really can't function properly without him. Him and Carrick, when they play together, it's a joy to watch sometimes the kind of passing they get between the lines. And it's something that no one else in our team really offers. Um, Going back to Mkhitaryan, you're totally right about his performance against Feyenoord. It was a brilliant performance. He really showed Jose Mourinho what, what he can do. He looked a bit rusty in the first half, couldn't quite get into the game as much as he wanted, but the second half, he just exploded and he was a brilliant, brilliant performer. When he was through on goal, final player should have been sent off. If he wasn't fouled, he would have got himself a nice goal, which would have been a great way to cap off the performance. Unfortunately, it didn't happen, but it was a timely reminder of what just what he can do and I think may have saved his Manchester United career and I really hope that it does because he deserves another chance. Yeah, really exciting player, that's for sure. We all knew that quality was there, but we definitely didn't see it at the start. Um, perhaps not given a, a big enough chance, or definitely not given a big enough chance. Also, a fair play to Phil Jones, who has managed to, to play multiple games without injury, which is a, a big shock, and has managed to play well, which is another big shock. Same could be said for Marcus Rojo, actually. Those two, every time they start, I get slightly worried, but that that feeling of, of worriedness is sort of slowly decreasing with each game there. They've played quite well. Obviously not faced a huge challenge yet, but um, fair play to them, forming a, a decent central defensive partnership there. And just the, the situation with Luke Shaw and Anthony Martial, strange. Mourinho calling both of them out, two very young, very talented footballers who we are lucky to have, have spent a lot of money on them, now are lucky to have. Calling them out for their poor performances is very, I don't know, very un-Mourinho and very un-United. And I'm hoping that they still get their chance at United. And that's not one of the, the weaknesses of the Mourinho era at United. Anyway, another excellent week for Manchester United's youth sides, particularly the under-18s. They scored four on Friday evening at the Cliff. Um, all the players seemingly honoured to play at United's old training ground, Class 92, Busby Babe, etc. Um, Angel Gomez scored first with a penalty before goals from Tahith Chong, Joshua Bohu and DJ Buffonge. Followed. It's now 14 league games played for the under 18, and in seven of those, United have scored four or more. Astonishing record so far. At under 23 level, meanwhile, uh, United drew 2 2 at Adams Park with Reading. Wickham Wanderers is ground, but playing Reading, Yapstam watching on as United drew 2 2 thanks to two quick fire Josh Harrop goals. Uh, Reading took the league through Dominic Hyam, um, pouncing on a loose ball in the box. Bit of a scrappy clearance after a, a cross, and Dominic Hyam half volleyed home. Uh, past Kieran O'Hara 
Um, Harrop equalised for a penalty. Callum Gribbon's first start at this level for, for the United's under-23s. He earned that penalty, brought down in the box by the, the Reading goalkeeper. Harrop dispatched it, and 36 seconds later had his second, nicking the ball off a Reading player at kickoff, running into the penalty area and scoring. Hints of offside, um, McTominay perhaps um, in front of the goalkeeper, blocking his vision, but the, the referee gave the goal despite the linesman flagging for offside. And uh, Reading went on to equalise through Joseph Mendes just after half-time. Both sides hitting the woodwork in the final few moments. Sean Goss for United and Sam Smith missing an open goal, striking the post after rounding Kieran O'Hara for Reading in the 93rd minute. Uh, Yap Stam watching on for Reading. Obviously, he's now first team manager at their club and Nicky Buck managing United while they look for a permanent replacement for Warren Joyce, who's now managing Wigan. Meanwhile, in the tournament for 2006-born players, the Legia Cup, uh, United finished sixth after five wins and three defeats over the weekend. In low news, Joel Pereira had the best weekend of United's low knees, starting for Belenenses in a 0-0 draw against FC Porto. Pereira is now number one, it seems, at the Portuguese league side after initially being the substitute for, for most games once he joined. Um, he was described by one Portuguese journalist as having a great game. Uh, good signs there. Adnan Yanazai and Dean Henderson were both unused substitutes for Sunderland and Grimsby Town, respectively. While Cameron Borthwick Jackson wasn't involved for Wolves, hopefully he returns to United in January, uh, seem, seemingly not part of new manager Paul Lambert's plans at Molyneux. Andreas Pereira played 57 minutes for Granada as they were beaten 3-1 by Celta Vigo on Sunday. Now, uh, we mentioned that, that busy period, not, not the traditional busy period, this, that, that will wait till Christmas, but certainly a, a, a preview of a busy period and perhaps even busier. Um, West Ham for the second time home in the League Cup quarterfinal. It seems like quite an important game. It hasn't really been spoken about its importance yet. And, and hopefully, considering that it's not the Premier League, we might actually score that second goal. Our squad, I think, is big enough to beat them. Um, and, and of a, of a quality enough in terms of squad depth to beat them. But I don't know, it feels like West Ham will play better than usual because it's a cup competition and that's slightly worrying. Definitely. We had a very tough game in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup against West Ham. Last season, they always seem to play well against us, West Ham, honestly. I, I don't know, I just, I, I'm never too confident when, when I go into games against West Ham. They, they always seem to be a team that trip us up. I'm never going to gonna get over the, uh, the 3-2 loss at Upton Park last season that cost us our place in the Champions League. And as you said, in the cup at home, which at the moment is probably a bad thing, can't say I'm too confident going into the game. Um, hopefully, because it's a cup, we'll play like we do in the Europa League, um, or have been in the last few weeks, which has been a lot more positive. But I hope that we will manage to come out on top with a win because I think it will be much needed. A cup run would just improve the atmosphere around Old Trafford a little bit, I think. Give the fans something to latch onto. Even if it is just the League Cup, you know, it's... Something that at least the fans can can get a little bit excited about, and there's there's nothing like a potential trip to Wembley in the in the final of the League Cup. So hopefully we can get through this quarterfinal tie, get through to the two-legged semi-final, and see where we go from there. Um, I'd predict I'm going to predict a United win two-one after extra time. Extra time? I'm not sure I can handle that. <laughs> it is the League Cup though, so it will go straight to extra time if if there's no result after 90 minutes, no replay like the FA Cup. I th- I think the League Cup's quite important. I think it was the first trophy that Mourinho won at Chelsea, and hopefully, although this is said with uh, perhaps a grimace on my face, um, hopefully it could be the first of many for Mourinho at United. Perhaps the only one this season. Um, 
But I think it is really important just to to win, and because the FA Cup with Van Gaal was was a big thing, getting a trophy again. But the players knew and the fans knew that that was Van Gaal's last game. Whereas it's sort of a we've turned another corner. Although I feel we've turned we've turned so many corners in the last few years, we sort of ended up at the same place, and unfortunately we haven't because that would be having Sir Alex Ferguson in charge. If only that could happen. But um, I, I think it would be very significant if we won the League Cup, and that's why I think we shouldn't have an entirely weakened side. And um, I don't think Mourinho will. He sort of it's strange. Mourinho's kind of rotated at the wrong times. So Europa League, we had a very strong team. And then Premier League, we have a very weak team. And then occasionally we have a far too strong team in, in certain games and far too weak in other games. And I think we need to see him rotate more sensibly. Um, and, and I hope he does so in, in part for the League Cup. But I think we do need to win, especially now when we are, when we are on a poor run. If this, if it came after a brilliant run in the league, then I don't think no one would care if we lost. But at the moment, it definitely wouldn't. And then, and then goodness in a way, as we mentioned earlier, Always a feisty one, that. Never an easy one either. Except that recent 3-0. I think that was last year. And we did beat them at... I think we beat them at Goodison when David De Gea saved that Leighton Baines penalty. That was very good. Predictions for, for Everton away, Jack? I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw. I think Everton aren't, aren't the team that they have been at times in recent seasons. Um, they're definitely not playing brilliantly this season, but Ronald Koeman is a very good manager. And they seem to always play well against us. The crowd is always behind them. Goodison is not the easiest place to play at all. We've had some poor results there over the years. I'm going to go for a one-all draw. I think I think it will be a similar game to West Ham, actually. I think we'll go down in the first half. Um, and who knows, maybe even Marouane Fellaini will come on and score <laughs> score an equalising goal against his former club. On Fellaini, I think he and Pogba are both suspended for the midweek game. Although no one's quite sure. I think they're both suspended for the League Cup and not for the League. People were, were confused about that situation. Both picked up a fifth yellow card of the season on Sunday. Um, I realised I haven't given my prediction for West Ham. West Ham in the League Cup, I think, will win 2-1. That, that's in my heart. In my head, I think we'll lose like 3-1 or something. I can see West Ham <laughs> turning up massively just because it's a, a cup competition. And Everton away, I think we'll... I was about to say I think we'll win. Realise that I don't think we'll win a two-two draw. <laughs> at least we'll get a second goal for once. Anyway, that's all we have time for on series two, episode fourteen of the Manchester United weekly podcast. Jose Mourinho might might be banned for kicking a water bottle, and in other news, the FA most definitely don't have a negative opinion of Jose Mourinho. Uh, we'll be back next week, maybe discussing exactly the same things that we have done for consecutive episodes now. Um, a reminder that the music that leads us in and out of the show is by a stop-hot band called No Hot Ashes, available on Spotify, iTunes, and everywhere else decent. If uh, if half an hour of us a week isn't enough for you, follow me at Harry Robinson 64 Jack at UTD Tate's T-A-I-T, and the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod on Twitter, that's P-O-D at the end. Uh, we're also on Facebook. Have a good week. Uh, we'll see you soon. Goodbye. Network.